Hi guys, thanks for joining me here on the show today. You're listening to Understanding Dyslexia. This week is episode 10, guys, where we are joined by another guest called Abby. Abby actually got in touch with me through Facebook. So Abby and I don't know each other. She read my article that was published by the British Dyslexia Association. Um, So Abby was diagnosed with dyslexia when she was eight years old. And she is currently a visual producer slash journalist. And she recently created a video breaking the stigma around dyslexia. So hi, Abby. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I would love to know what your dyslexia story is. So when we diagnosed and kind of take it from there. Yeah, my dyslexia story started from as kind of far back as I can remember, really. I've never known myself as not dyslexic. Wow, yeah. If that makes sense, which I, yeah. I know is like such a privileged position to have. I was, yeah, my, my diagnosis was really early when I was about seven years old and it was picked up by my teacher um, and also my parents. And, you know, I had an assessment done. So I feel really fortunate that throughout all my education and I mean really throughout my life I've had the support that I need you know I know like you said yourself you've only just found out and I can't imagine how challenging that must have been to have gone through life kind of knowing that something wasn't quite right but not being able to identify it because for me having that diagnosis meant that I was able to put in the coping mechanisms from like a really early age Mm. and I've been able to bring those through into adulthood and I think now like I'm you know I'm working now I'm in like my first year of working after I finish my master's but I'm not scared and embarrassed about telling people about my dyslexia and I'm very upfront with my colleagues um, and friends about difficulties that I might have and then kind of able to find ways to work around that whereas I feel like if I hadn't had my whole life to come to terms with it, I, I wouldn't feel as confident asking for help and support. Mm. No, that that's amazing. It's, um, yeah, like you said, it's a ridiculously privileged situation to, to, to have. And, and that's what I wish every single dyslexic person could testify. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's really important. Would you say that um, that having your diagnosis early on would you say that it kind of led to your dyslexia being not like less strong because that's like a stupid thing to say but like would you say that like stuff that you used to struggle with much more as a kid you've kind of learned how to deal with it now and like you you know how to sort of you can do things that you wouldn't have been able to do maybe if you hadn't have had those coping mechanisms yeah or that early diagnosis it's an interesting question because I definitely really still struggle throughout school and I've no clue how I would have done if I hadn't known I was dyslexic but for me things like maths and science shapes and numbers that kind of thing I just couldn't understand and I think in answer to your question what it allowed me to do having that diagnosis allowed me to realize that that wasn't my fault Mm. Um, as I got older you know it was very difficult to uh, believe when you're little you just think I'm stupid why don't I understand my friends will get this I'm silly I you know but as I progressed and I think definitely particularly as I was able to narrow down my specialisms for instance my, my worst time in education was my GCSEs because 
had to do the maths the science and you ha- and I just couldn't get it I, there was a block I no matter how much I worked at it I couldn't process the information mm. but then when I got to my A levels and particularly university and my masters I was able to narrow down to things that I was good at which is visual creative work um and to be honest I haven't really done a sum since my, <laughs> since my GCSEs um or you know I've absolutely no clue how about photosynthesis or anything like that but it really you know if I could have gone back and if I could go back now and tell you know GCSE Abby that it's going to be okay and that no you know it might feel like the be all and end all now to be able to understand physics and maths you know you're still going to be successful and you're going to be able to use the skills that you do have in the future. I think the problem was, was that I had those skills when I was younger, but I wasn't able to fully embrace them or fully use them because I was, all my energy was going towards something that I, I couldn't understand. Mm. You know, I had to put all my time and effort into the maths and into the science instead of into the creative things. Mm. No, that's really interesting, of course, because we kind of naturally focus way more on especially throughout school on the things that we're really bad at which is like when as an adult you kind of look back on that and think god like why 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 do we why even bother because it's it's an education thing as well carry on sorry no so one of my just one of my earliest memories that you you, that triggered me this memory for me which was when i was literally i think it was in year one i had we had spelling tests and the teacher i don't know what's going through my life yeah honestly but she made us wear our grades on a badge for the rest of the day and that just scarred me i remember it so vividly what is this school it was horrible and you know i was lucky my mum really like stood up for me and she she complained about the teacher because you know i i was getting bullied because every single week i had the lowest score in the class and having to wear that as like a badge when you're in the playground so humiliating and that kind of attitude from teachers did continue throughout my education you know i had the support from you know learning support stuff and my parents Mm. but it wasn't kind of like done in conjunction with my teachers. I remember even like at my GCSEs, my English teacher, who at the time was only like 25 herself, said to me, you're never going to be able to study English at university. And I did. I did study English at university. But she said, because you're dyslexic, you're never going to be able to achieve that goal. So it's weird. You know, the education needs to be on teachers as, as you know you can have as much support as you need but if you're getting mixed messages from teachers then it's, it's no use that's a really really interesting point you made that because um how it's it's kind of shocked me how with with kind of speaking to more and more people and kind of getting everyone's experiences it's it's so common teachers telling kids that they can't do something what is that mm. about? Do you know, it's really yeah. made me want to go into teaching. Like, yeah. because it's... Because how can we even begin... Like, the whole logic of, like, how are you going to teach someone to do something if you're literally saying to them that they can't do it? That's not what teaching is. But the funny thing is, is that 
we have every capacity to do it people with dyslexia have every capacity to do anything they want mm. the problem is that other teaching methods are designed for a specific way of thinking you know dyslexia is a neurodiversity you know we don't, we don't want to think of it as a disability mm. it's just that our brains are wired differently so that means that there are different ways that we learn so for me it was all about the visual and you know i from, if you try to explain a math problem to me just through words, I wouldn't be able to understand. Whereas if you gave me a visualization with objects and explained it that way, then I could get my head around it. Mm. There's a, there was a quote that I remember um, in my learning support um, room that I, it was something about if you, if you judge a fish on his ability to climb a tree, he'll spend his whole life believing he's stupid. You know, yeah. and I just think that's... I've heard that the, before. It's a yeah, really it's great a quote. quote. No, it's a really it's great perfect. quote. It's a really wonderful way of explaining dyslexia. And and I yeah. think um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Because, um, yeah, it, I mean, it all begins with teaching. And and I think, obviously, having your parents on your side is obviously... It's, it's kind of an additional good thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it's it's really it's a huge thing with 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 teaching and and so you went on to you know proving that teacher wrong you you went on to study English didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was. So I was how how lucky. did you how did you kind of get to that? Did you did you sort of have to? So can you are you good at? I hate having to ask these questions, but it's like can yeah. can you read? <laughs> are you good at reading? <laughs> um, but like. Um, yeah, so because obviously English English at uni means a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of essays. So mm-hmm, so how did you mm-hmm. how did you manage that? So I think I need to kind of caveat this by saying that I was again very privileged in that I went to a private school. Right. Um and that meant that I did receive a lot of additional kind of support and attention and resources Mm. which I was very grateful to have however I made the decision to move to a um kind of state school for my A-levels right and that was when I really realized that I could achieve stuff because the focus as I mentioned before the focus at my kind of secondary school it was all on the science and the maths and all my, my school friends were, were good at those things. Then when I arrived at my college, which was called Alton College, I kind of really was able to grow into myself. And I had some incredible classmates who were kind of, you know, and not that my, my friends at school weren't, but were so creative and my teachers were so supportive. And I almost felt like I, because I wasn't being so like highly scrutinized at college, I could kind of make my own way and, and explore, explore my interests more broadly without like the rigorous approach of school. Mm. It was way more like, how do you want to approach this project? How, you know, you could write an essay about it or you could make like a visual presentation. So I realized that, all oh, right, English isn't, English isn't all about reading and writing it's actually about more about the emotions that it like can evoke in people and that was what really interested me Mm. was was the effect of literature and and the power of language so 
Like no, storytelling. Pardon? It's storytelling. It's exactly. That, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in, in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and storytelling is still the thing that, like, motivates me throughout my life. That's what my job is, is I'm a visual storyteller. I create videos telling people's stories. I studied journalism. I want to know about people's stories. So, yes, I can read. Yes, I can write. I think what I realise now is how much extra work I had to put in to be at the same level as other people, you know? Like... Mm. But because I'm so used to doing it, I never realised. I would have to reread a sentence five or six times before that information actually, like, entered my brain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Some people just read something and they process it. I know, it's amazing, right? Like, how? How can they do it? <laughs> how do they do it? Like... <laughs> God only freaking knows. I know. <laughs> For me, like, you know, I'll read a sentence and be like, wait, Mm-mm. I... Yeah, you kind of get the other half of it. You kind of get one half of it, and you think, ah, and then you make yeah. it all up in your own head. I, I'll read something and go, what? Yeah, <laughs> and then exactly. read it again and go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, that's what it was saying. Yeah. Um, or there's been some really funny moments where you know I'll misread a sign or or, or something. What was that? I was in the opticians the other day. Um, oh god <laughs> and I, I just oh, I misread a sign about um, you know COVID secure and it, it was something like we I think I read we roughly clean these areas disinfect these areas I was like well that's not very good to, <sighs> to roughly clean an area you know and then actually and I looked back at the sign and it said you know we thoroughly, thoroughly or like we vigorously clean these areas I was like ah oh, well that makes more sense <laughs> god yeah yeah it's funny um, um, just something that you said that's like I can relate to insane amounts mm. um, about you going to sixth form and kind of having that sort of clean slate of creativity um, yeah. because I, I very much kind, kind of a similar experience I went to um, it wasn't actually a private school but you paid because it was a French school in London so you paid yeah, the French government, true. but like if the school was in France, it would have been a public school. Okay. But it was still a very elitist and you paid. So we can basically just call it a private school, even though it wasn't actually that, but it kind of was. It basically was the equivalent of what an English private school would have been like. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, very focused on maths and sciences. Um, my forte, not. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 did, uh, I struggled loads with that too. Um, and then mm. went to public sixth form in South London and uh, had to do, I did four A-levels, which is a lot for them. And, and I thought, I, I, I said, please let me do four. I literally had to beg them to let me do four. Because they were going, oh, we're not going to let you do, stop being ridiculous, all of this. You're not going to do four A-levels. No one does four A-levels. But I speak fluent French, so I was like, I'm going to do the French because it's Why as well get that one in the bag, exactly, you know? trust me, you know. <laughs> Um, why do you not? Know, and, and also, why wouldn't you want the A star? I was saying to them, I was saying, listen, exactly. I'll get you a good. I'll bring it home. Like I will do well. And <laughs> well, I didn't okay. even, I didn't even have to go to any lessons for year twelve, which was fantastic. Yeah. So that left me with fifteen hours of school a day, five in art, five in photography, and five in Spanish. Wow. To me, it was like living the dream after having yeah. been to this crazy nutcase school 
where they make you study from eight in the morning to six in the evening and then you go home and then have to get the tube rush out while all of that go home have to do two hours of homework not sleep like and and again the whole i feel like private schools just have this this whole culture of humiliation about grades and competition yeah. and all of that it's just, just ridiculous um so i really came into um, came i would say i came into my own when when i changed schools as well definitely and yeah, with regards the to the creativity thing. as well it was absolutely the best decision and, and getting away from that environment as you you talk about just that competitive nature and you know it was really like you know girl it was an all-girls school and it was oh. like girls pitted against girls and I remember very clearly um someone who I, I thought was my friend um saying to me I think it was after a maths test or an English test you know she, she'd got 95 percent and I'd got 60 percent which you know in grand scheme of things is a pretty decent mark yeah, but... she said well maybe if you'd actually tried harder you would have you know got a better mark and you know mm. I had been up for hours hours revising and you know, there's just, there wasn't any awareness. Um, mm. And it was just that attitude of, if you get below 90%, you failed. Whereas at my college, it was just so much more of a relaxed environment. You were allowed to like work at your own speed, do your own thing. Um, and yeah, just a fresh slate away from that, that toxic atmosphere. Mm. I feel like there's also this thing about I don't know if it's sixth form or, or for me it was a case of actually changing education system because I was in the French system and then I went to the English system um, so for me it was kind of a big thing about the English system because I'd never experienced any other form of English education apart from sixth form so I kind of just thought oh my god English people are so nice like there was this kind of like positive <laughs> marking aspect of things where like okay you'd get something wrong but the teacher wouldn't, it's not like if you got that thing wrong, then everything was wrong. It was like, okay, this is wrong, but this is right, this is right, this is right, this is right. And in yeah. the French school, if you, this is a crazy story, and I always tell English people this because they're like, oh. if you, we used to have dictations. Again, my like most hated thing in the world, because mm -hmm. the teachers would dictate really fast as well. And you'd have to like be right, and like really long pages what of text. And oh. like not, three sentences it was like pages and it, she would sit there and dictate for 20 minutes so it was like you were writing and your hand would start cramping it was horrible and so what happened was so then you'd you'd uh you'd have your dictation and you'd have to give it to your partner or they'd put you in like twos to share like a book or whatever and you'd be with your partner and um or your like buddy school buddy or whatever and and so you'd switch copies so you would mark each other's copies a lazy way of teaching i guess because then the teacher wouldn't actually have to do anything and yeah. then the teacher would go through all the answers and say right this is this is right and this is wrong and blah -de blah and the way that they would mark it was that you wouldn't get to zero you'd go below so say if you made more mistakes oh than a zero you'd go into minus grades and i remember one time i got minus something like 180 or something ridiculous because it was like each point for example if you were if you missed out an accent that would be like minus five points and then if you missed out like 
something dumb like even like dots on the eyes or like punctuation that would be like minus two or like and if it was a verb conjugation that would be minus 10 and so on like loads and loads of pages obviously me being the creative speller that I am every word was spelled wrong every word was spelled wrong every accent was on the wrong way every punctuation wasn't there because who's got time for punctuation I'm trying to get all the bloody words down do you know what I mean um I don't want the the commas I bet if you read it back you wouldn't notice any mistake oh no yeah that's another thing about myself can't self-edit for sure yeah that's just for me I can't read if I make a spelling mistake someone could be like that's wrong like yeah really (laughs) no I read back I read what I I read what I write and I think God this is great India like I I like big myself up all the time because I'm like oh you're amazing the more I read it the more I'm like I don't need to do anything to this um yeah so that whole concept of like reread yourself was kind of like or go over what you've read was like why like I always was like it's a waste of time (laughs) Yeah, and it's like I said before, it's just, you know, it's a it's a one-size-fits-all, supposedly, mm. approach to teaching that really, I mean, is probably going to benefit 0.1% of the class mm. who, whose brain functions like that. Mm, which um, is actually a very little percentage of, of people, yeah. um, really, which is just crazy. And, like, I feel like, I don't know, like, I honestly feel like every single person that I've spoken to has had some sort of horror story from school because it's one of my questions but we kind of just answered it as we went along it which is like how was your school life you know Mm -hmm. and and you know it's it's everyone everyone says that has had dyslexia that their school life was miserable basically Mm -hmm. and that they spent a huge majority of of their school life thinking that they were stupid um Mm -hmm. so would you say that even though you knew you were dyslexic because obviously I didn't know so I genuinely thought that I, there was something wrong. Um, yeah. So so would you say even though you, you knew, did you still have those moments where you thought, oh, I just, I'm stupid or like, I can't do it or, you know, that like it, it affected like your self-esteem and, and your confidence and mental health? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, I mean, my attitude has definitely shifted from thinking of dyslexia as a disability to thinking of it as a gift as I've got older but you know that's come from experience I used to be so ashamed of my dyslexia Mm. I god it was just this label that I felt was hanging off me that teachers were perhaps scared to approach and also I felt that sometimes they didn't try with me because they thought, well, she's just not going to get it. Mm. You know, she's just not going to understand because she's dyslexic. Uh, Like, I remember as well having, seeing a teacher's, um, you know, what's it called, um, where they check everyone in. Oh, like Um, a register. Register, yeah. Mm. Seeing one of the teacher's registers and she'd like put a star next to, or like a D next to my name or something. And one other girl in the class who also had dyslexia. And it was just that, I mean, I'm sure she was just doing it so she could be aware, but it was just that feeling of segregation. Yeah. And feeling like there was something wrong with you um, that set you apart from everybody else. And And for the worst as well. 
yeah and 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 also having to go to you know again it's it's funny because like as a as a kid you know you things you do see things differently but I had to go and spend my lunch breaks I think two a week um having extra support Mm. which was like so embarrassing (laughs) I was so lucky to have it I was so lucky to have the extra support but having to tell your mates sorry no I can't hang out and play with you in the playground because I've got to go in and have an extra lesson to help me with my maths homework like Mm. and yeah it did impact my mental health and particularly at school I was I was actually scared to go into school um, some days. And again, my mum was very understanding and would kind of let me almost have mental health days off school. But it it did get really to the point where I would be in hysterics about leaving the house. And I once had a whole week off because I couldn't, I couldn't go. The thought of going just set me into such panic attack, which is, you know, and it was, it, again, yeah, it was just, it was because I knew I had, God, this makes my school sound like so pretentious, but because I had like Latin. Oh, my school <laughs> did Latin as well, don't worry. We, yeah. did, we had Greek as well, darling, so. Oh, and languages as well, like, because I had, I'd have, you know, Latin and then I'd have double maths and science. Mm-hmm. And the thought of sitting there and just, I would get, I think the main feeling I had, and I still have sometimes, which is something I'm still trying to process, it's anger at myself. Mm. It's anger and not being able to understand something mm. that you know you should or that everyone else can understand. And just anger at your brain for not working it out. Mm. You know, I would get so worked up over one maths problem. Um Oh, you are speaking my language. Yeah. I I just felt so... Oh, it's it's so hard to explain, but, you know, the... Oh, no, but I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The energy that was spent crying Mm. over one sum, Mm. (laughs) one equation, and, like... And to be quite honest with you, I looking back now, I am amazed that I was ever able to do any of that maths. Like, because if you gave me the work that I was doing when I was 15 or 14, oh, whatever, yeah. I wouldn't have a clue mm. where to start now. Mm. No idea. Yeah, no, that's um, just like really powerful words, you know? Um, and I think so many people can relate to that. And I think it's a big, it's kind of one of the main reasons that I started doing this because I kind of, I needed to hear it from other people. I needed to, I needed to know I wasn't alone. you know because there is obviously it's such a sad thing and obviously so sad that you had to go through that both of us had to go through that Mm -hmm. but like how much stronger and 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 better and and like you you kind of grow up having this natural work ethic because you're always gonna you know you're kind of always even though i didn't know I was dyslexic until really late on. I always knew that I would always have to work harder than everyone else mm-hmm. um, to just to achieve the bare minimum. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of, it, without it, I wouldn't be the person that I am. I'm a very naturally driven person because of it, I would say. Uh, but oh God, has it taken me 
a long time to kind of get to that. I mean, you would have told me that when I was sat there at the kitchen table bawling my eyes out. I think I would have gone, shut up. But... I think it's interesting, though, because, you know, you mentioned doing the bare minimum to achieve the kind of basic level. Mm. And, I, and I know I said that before. I do think that's the case. But I do also think that dyslexia gives people, like, a gift different gifts for everybody but the ability to also do other things with complete ease Mm. you know to to, like for me it's visual thinking it's creativity it's storytelling and that's something that just is like a second nature to me I can just do it and I do accredit that completely to um, my dyslexia and and how my brain is wired you know I might not be able to understand pi but you know who needs pi anyway come on now well (laughs) some people might argue it's important no, but, we'll leave um, it to that. But um, what was I gonna say? No, that's um, it's true. And and for example, I always thought that um, well, I so it's sort of something that I've realised through doing lots of research about dyslexia is that I think something about dyslexics is that they're very often extremely empathetic people. Firstly, yeah. Um, and secondly, um, like holistic thinkers. I think that's something that I, and I never really gave myself or no one gave me enough credit for it in my family, but I, um, obviously they're going to be listening now, but I was always the like main problem solver person. Like if something was wrong, if there was conflict, if there was, (laughs) like my brother went through a little phase of not really speaking to my mom for like a couple of years. Uh, I'm exaggerating but um, he he went into teenage boy style and kind of just went mute for a little while and and it was a lot of back and forth of oh mum wants you to do this and mum talking to me and oh Louis says this and you know I was very much the intermediate person in in a lot of relationships and I feel like I still carry that role Um, in a Mm. lot of my relationships I try and it's just problem solving really it's kind of like seeing it's kind of having that emotional and intellectual intelligence to understand why someone may be feeling a certain way. And I think not everyone can do that. And I I, I would say it's hugely to do with my dyslexia um, because I just have this ability to understand like, oh, he's pissed off because you said this, you know, or or he would have seen you saying that as this, you know, and it's, it's normal quotation marks. People don't, they just don't, they just don't get it. Like they kind of just because they have this tunnel vision, and I feel like dyslexics have a much wider spread, can see things from 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 completely different angles and different situations. And I think in the creative industry and, and in the creative world, as well, we kind of have the ability to perceive certain things that, again, quotation marks, normal people just can't. Um, so we are valuable to this planet, of course, because with art. This new earth <laughs> exactly 100% and like you said I think emotional intelligence is just like one of the most valuable things you know everything you said I completely like concur with like that's mm. been my whole experience I mean I'm the only child so I didn't have the the brother situation oh, but right. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm always the one that my friends come to mm. for advice and that ability to see the emotional reaction from two people's points of view mm. without 
without diminishing either one's feelings you know mm. everyone's feelings are valid but being able to see it from each perspective and kind of bring those perspectives together and explain to people like that what a gift and I've kind of been recently actually like um, a real advocate for, for that within my my workplace mm. so you know really you know trying to highlight the benefits of having people with dyslexia within your team because from my experience, you know, my dyslexia enables me to problem solve and to think creatively um, about something we might be trying to create or around an issue or to deal with interpersonal difficulties, um, you know, in a, in a more effective way than perhaps um, people without dyslexia would be able to do. Um, and yeah, I've actually got on my LinkedIn profile, dyslexic thinking, that's wow. a, a skill. That wow. you can add to your, I'm going to yeah. add that to my CV, darling. Thank you yes. for the tip. Do, no, do. It's, um, it's, it's such an interesting, such an interesting thing to say because um, I don't know if you've listened in email, uh, email, in uh, episode number five, there's, um, there's a, I talked to this guy about, um, about work and and the the sort of dyslexia in the workplace because um a lot of people kind of talk about their experience through school and blah 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 but um yeah. i think the, the in the case of yems this this boy i was speaking to he had got a lot of support found out he was dyslexic quite late on but had got a lot of support through university um and then was kind of let off into the world and then all of a sudden in the workplace with no support whatsoever and he said that he was would spend hours writing like two sentence emails because he didn't know how to spell or was worried of what people were going to think and because spelling is for some reason if you can spell right or if you can spell wrong shall i say if you don't spell things right you lose all credibility in the workplace and that is a it's a key thing that kind of just needs to disappear off the face of the earth because yeah. does it matter the way that a word is spelled all right if it's going on a campaign and it's going on billboards and it's got a name of a company attached to it of course it's going to have to be spelled correctly but in in office and just communication with other people as long as you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. we're good mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like you don't need to people are so judgmental about spelling like, I think what's for me is quite interesting. Like I've only been in work for a year, you know, I've only just come out of education. So I have, I'm kind of like in that transitional process at the moment mm. from coming from something where I, you know, had like weekly support mm-hmm. to, you know, being, being with colleagues and particularly, I mean, you know, COVID, right. I had three months in the office before I started working from home full time. Oh God. For me, working from home with dyslexia has been a real challenge. Mm. Um, there's been one example, you know, and it's and I really got to a point where I felt like I was drowning um, with 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 the amount that I was having to process, but not being in the environment to process it. Mm. When you're in an office, you can just turn to someone and say hey, had a quick question about this. You know, when you're working from home, you are just, you are, you feel like you're there on your own. And this is why I mentioned before that I've been like really now advocating, like talking about my dyslexia with my colleagues, because 
I, I, I almost forgot that the reason I was struggling was because of that. Mm. You know, I, I was like, well, everyone's working from home. Everyone's struggling. Uh, you know, it's a new thing for everyone. And I was like, wait, surely some of the things that I'm, these specific things that I'm struggling with are a result of my dyslexia. One thing in particular was email chains. Now, we have like a huge email culture in my work and that's only been like emphasized by about a hundred percent since we've been working from home and you know I'd get copied into an email that was like 50 chains long with something that I'd never heard about before and someone was asking me to do this urgent thing that needed to be done within the hour it would oh take me God. like two hours at least to Just read to through the emails what you're and trying actually to do yeah process the thing Mm. (laughs) um and luckily now you know i've I've got really supportive colleagues who who like really are are there for me and and um and a very great work environment that celebrates diversity so i felt i was able to to speak up which i'm sure a lot Mm. of people um don't feel able to in their work environment but now my you know my close colleagues um my close team kind of they they send me a voice note on whatsapp or they'll send me a quick just message. They'd be like, look, I'm copying into this email. This is what you need to do. This is when it needs to be done by. Thanks. And I'm like, yeah, great. Like, don't I waste do your time trying to figure it all out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, it saves them time. It saves me time mm. and it gets the job done. <laughs> and I'm sure, to be honest, people without the sexy could benefit from that approach as well. You know, I'm sure everyone yeah. has had up to here <laughs> with, email with, with emails. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a really, really, really interesting. Honestly, I'm kind of like I'm uh, in awe of your. How do I word this in like a way that's understandable to humans? Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm in not because you know in like I know exactly what I want to say, but like I don't know how to say it. Um, no, I'm like I'm like in awe of the way that you kind of just own the dyslexia you know and and in the workplace especially i mean i haven't obviously i've done a couple internships and done Mm. that kind of enough to know that that's not really what i'm really trying to do with my life but you need to go through that to kind of know that but i remember and i was in a in an office in paris as well like a really posh bit of paris and i remember yeah i mean amazing experience but like the whole dyslexia thing and obviously I was still in this thing of like not telling people. So I was like trying to hide. And I think that's the worst thing when you're trying to hide your dyslexia. Because mm-hmm. it kind of comes across stronger when you're trying to hide it. Because it's like, you're trying to like, it's like really unnatural as well, you know? And I would, honestly, I would have to like go into Google and check that like I was using the right terms and my French was a little rusty and French has so many accents and double-barreled letters and like two R's and two L's and two this and two that and I would so obviously scared of telling my colleagues scared of asking anyone scared of kind of just being decreditized for not knowing how to spell something or how to word something or if the verb was conjugated properly and I would really spend like like an hour like googling everything and making sure that everything was spelled correctly and that I was using the correct terms and the, literally just to say to a woman to my boss uh I'm good like I've done the work that you want me to do uh like shoot me back an email for a meeting I would that would take me yeah. an hour and um mm. 
Yeah, I think it's really important to... It's kind of you've taught me a valid lesson in kind of that... The more that you talk about it in the workplace, the more that people can kind of use it as an advantage rather than kind of see it as a disability. And well, that I, means a lot. Yeah, that means a lot for you to say. I mean, I think, you know, you're doing amazingly well having been... How long ago were you diagnosed? About five years. I was 16. Five years, you know, and I've had you know 15 years or so of of having my diagnosis and and it's taken me that long to get to the place that I am in mm. kind of advocating for it as as a um as a skill mm. and that's something that I'm so passionate about and I honestly think that the narrative is changing around it because people like me in terms of having grown up with it and also maybe people who are slightly older are are speaking up yeah and and you know empowering the next generation that is something that i think is so vital is is empowering young people to realize that although they might be struggling there are ways around it you know we can adapt we can learn we can adjust you're not stupid it's just that you have a vast range of other skills yeah Yeah, it's different. different and and I, th- I think that in the future, you know, the, the, the education as well needs to not just be with people who have dyslexia, but with those that are interacting and, and particularly like with management in, in companies um, and teaching teacher training. I'm sure that there is fantastic teacher training for things like that. But what I seem to um, think and I think think this is the case is that sort of neurodiversities in terms of autism and and dyslexia and they're all sort of lumped into to one um you know uh section whereas sorry my dog right now is like rolling around the floor making really weird noises let me just show you oh my god you can just hear her going around um Ruby stop thank you Okay, she's she's done. Um, what was I saying? Uh, About in the in the workplace and the and the kid. Oh, the teacher training. Yeah, teacher training. Yeah, so I I do think that that the neurodiversities are are kind of put under one umbrella term, sure. and yeah, like there's even just with dyslexia, you know, there is so much diversity oh, in yeah. what people think and learn, yeah. and it's impossible to expect teachers to no, be able to cater to everyone's needs individually mm. because like you know classes are too big and mm. and you know, that's not possible but the, the more awareness we have and i think the more people particularly in the public eye that are speaking up about their dyslexia the better it's going to be for the next generation and and you like you and me have the power to do that and like i really hope your podcast is going to help people to to come to terms really if they do have dyslexia and to and to feel like it's not something to be ashamed of and that it's something that they can be proud to talk about and and to share their gifts with the world Mm. well what um beautiful way to kind of uh bring this conversation to a close it's been like 40 minutes which is insane time just flies by (laughs) i could yeah I i could talk about this all day long um but um thank you so much for for that testimony it's a really wonderful just so wonderful to hear other people be so passionate about it
so guys that is the end of episode 10 um i'd like to say a huge thank you to abby for coming on here and sharing her story um that was wonderful so wonderful to get so many different so many different stories and so many different experiences abby's is quite unique she's you know the the name of the episode is i've never known myself not dyslexic which i think is um very interesting for me very different stories to mine um very interesting for me uh, really something that sort of very much marked me during that conversation actually and i don't know if anyone any dyslexics here are listening but if you are go and put you know go and put dyslexic thinking on your cv go and do it um go and be proud and, and especially in the workplace i would say i think a lot of people are blocked when it comes to the workplace and i don't know why as you know what it's embarrassing isn't it not to be able to spell um but yeah again another really interesting conversation about work emails and and dyslexia and being dyslexic as an adult in the world of work so i'd like to thank abby again i'd like to thank anyone who's listening uh who's listened up until now thank you very much and next week is another really exciting conversation i'm excited about this one guys um next week our guest on the show is called polly uh 50 year old, 58 year old woman who got in touch with me over facebook again someone i don't know um so i'm so grateful for people doing that by the way i just love it guys whenever i get a message request on facebook i get very excited um so polly got in touch with me and we have been in contact ever since um so tune into that conversation another really interesting one i don't want to spoil it but just really interesting she i will tell you she she only just recently found out she was dyslexic and that is all i will say the rest you will have to hear for yourself um so thanks again guys same time same place next week see you all next week